Welcome to the X Podcast. So good to have you all with us wherever you're watching or listening from YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're so glad to have you. My name is Kevin. I'm here with the boys, Russ and Tim. And uh, you guys just look happy today. So happy. I, I, you look so. <laughs> I'm always happy. Some of my favorite times of the week. I know. Yeah, I enjoy this. And tonight, well, tonight, Secret of the Trade. It's actually Wednesday. Yes. have our worship night where it's kind of the fast that we've talked about on previous podcasts this is just kind of a moment where we have to um, encounter God in a fresh way and every time we do things like this and you may be listening and may not even profess as a Christian we just believe that things change when we have nights like this when when God's in the room and so uh, obviously we hope and maybe we can follow up on a future podcast but it's just it's going to be awesome and I'm super excited to see what happens Uh, But today, I wanted to tackle an email from one of our listeners that we've been talking about for a few weeks and trying to tackle, but then, you know, little things like uh, inauguration days and (laughs) elections and uh, riots and stuff like that happened, so we kind of pushed it off until this week. But I think this is going to be a helpful episode because people who specifically either have a perspective about Christianity— or maybe have struggled in their faith and would say they follow Jesus or are Christian, dependent on the denomination, that there seems to be this weird entangling between religion and superstition. Mm -hmm. And maybe your viewpoint of religion is that it's based out of what seems to be superstition. Mm -hmm. But then you have some people who would not classify as a Christian— uh, they say, oh, I just believe in science, and I believe in energy, and I believe in this and that. And they almost practice what seems to be a religion or a superstition of, of, a, of something like a yoga or something like a, the people with the crystals or uh, that, that have all these other practices. And so as a Christian, how do we reconcile that? That's kind of the basic outline of this email. I want to read it to you. This person has to remain anonymous. Uh, first off, it says, uh, hello, all. I've, I have some potential questions that might be something you want to explore on the podcast. FYI, I've been loving your podcast. I've listened to over half of them, and I love how you each think through uh, what you think and why you think it. Not to mention the positive and non-harsh way that you address things. I actually have about a million questions, and that's being modest because I've been told not to ask questions most of my life and just believe what the Bible says. Questions seem to scare people. And if that's you out there, realize that that's a real thought. I mean, have you guys felt that people have so many questions, especially when it comes to something as what may be perceived as confusing Christianity? And that's what we hope this podcast does for people is, is to answer, be a place where we can talk about all those hard questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's like you just said it. That's the point of this conversation is to have a safe space safe space where nothing's taboo right and we mm-hmm. believe that asking questions is actually the only way you grow mm. yeah uh, when jesus says to become more and more childlike one of the things about children that's tragic that we stop doing is asking questions yeah. that's right and the smartest people i know until the day they die stay in a posture of that of a student yeah, yeah. and you actually grow i think there's a difference between a questioning spirit that views the mm-hmm. world and people with cynicism mm-hmm. and a spirit of curiosity that says i want to learn i want to grow and I actually want to have intelligent reasons behind why I believe mm-hmm. what I believe. And so 
I just, I love that uh, she wrote in. I love even just the feedback we've been getting in general that people are people that honestly, I, I, I wouldn't even know or think they would love this or like, man, I love the approach and I love mm-hmm. how it's stretching. I know for us, for me, it's stretching my mind every single time yeah. I come here. So I just think there's a difference between, uh, cause that person said, I've been told if I recall, uh, this is what the Bible says, believe it and don't question it. And, um, I think to kind of jump off that, I think there, there's a difference between, like you said, questioning everything and then having authentic questions. And, um, I think it's good. That's one of the things that I think we hopefully promote here at the X church and, and just even in our podcast is that we want, we want to always be wrestling and we want to deal with hard questions. And we, and I don't, I'm not one of those people that says, well, the Bible says it. So, you know, believe it and don't ask questions about it. I I ask questions about it. I wrestle through. And you know, what's happened is rather than, I think what everybody's afraid of, and I'm not afraid of, and I don't think God's afraid of Mm. is rather than those questions, um, leading me away they actually lead me to a much deeper faith. Yes. Yeah. But the problem is a lot of times people don't wrestle they with the question. And I think yeah. that's the thing. It's like, well, I got questions, but they never pursue them. I would, I think we could do a whole other episode. I'd love to do it on the idea of questioning God. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot to that conversation that I think we could speak to. And I know that's, that's mm-hmm. not the crux of this email, but anyways, I, this- I'm grateful for people that will ask good hard questions well i think uh sometimes not to again categorize but i think two big camps you got people that are outside of church that feel bad about asking questions right. or feel afraid to ask questions or you have people in the church that maybe have always suppressed questions or they've never taken a step to go beyond what's been spoon-fed mm-hmm. so they don't actually know why they believe what they believe other than mm-hmm. they've inherited it culturally and then when a crisis of faith hit it shipwrecks them but i was just thinking as you were uh, reading that question, Dallas Willard, he's this, uh, he has a lot of Christian classics books, just a mastermind, a father of the faith. And he made a statement that when he made it for his time was provocative. He said, not only is Jesus the truth, but Jesus would always pursue wherever truth took him. Mm, yeah. And I think sometimes as, as people, if you, especially if you're raised in church, it can be easier to re- keep retreating behind familiarity or orthodoxy than to be afraid to go where you think truth might actually take you. Mm-hmm. But I think the stronger faith you have, the more you're like, no, I actually feel free to learn, explore, wrestle. Yeah. Because there's a foundation beneath me sturdy enough for whatever answers come my way. Yeah, I, I, I like what you guys are saying. You have something to add? Well, I'm I just thinking about it's even encouraged mm-hmm. in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. I think about how Paul uh, and Silas, they praised the Bereans um, in Acts 17, they praised the Bereans because they received the message that they had mm-hmm. to say. They came and they're sharing this message about Jesus with great eagerness. But then it says they searched the scriptures every day to see yep. if what they were saying was true. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I would go so far as to say that it gets praised, this mm-hmm. idea of actually asking really hard questions. And I think I, I personally just love that, like even just this past weekend, like I, I will lean into tension tension like that because mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of people sitting in church today people like this person who have a lot of questions mm-hmm. and I I would rather confront those even yeah. if I have to wrestle and, yeah. I, and they do cause me to struggle and wrestle and mm-hmm. with I don't how do I how do I correlate this path how do I reconcile these passages how do yeah. I understand this but I'm telling you every time it just takes me to a deeper place yeah, yeah. it doesn't 
caused me to run away from God. So, yeah. anyways, that's no. Good. I, I, that's, I, it's when you said something about the the faith like a child. I got a four year old at home, and he's just starting to ask these really <laughs> ominous questions <laughs> that put you on your toes yeah. as yeah. a dad, and even as a you know somebody who wants to teach my son about the faith that I profess in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, he, you know, he he. he, he it, right before he goes to bed, he gets really talkative. I mean, yeah. chatty, 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 and then he's out sleeping. And he uh, asked me the other night. We're sitting there, and I'd made some disgusting smoothie yeah. that I was trying to drink with greens. And not that anybody needs to know that. But uh, and he goes, "Daddy, what happens when we die?" <laughs> and no, no yeah. lie, that's what he said. It's like I. It, that's mm. a really great question. So I try to give him some mm. sort of allegorical, but. Uh, what it revealed to me and always continues to remind me having young kids is that two things. One, that there's a longing mm-hmm. to understand yeah. the things of this world that I think that sometimes God actually created to be mysterious, mm-hmm. yeah. to be a mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that my faith has mm-hmm. led me to a place where I, when I experience mystery, mm-hmm. I um, only get a sense for the bigness and mm. majesty yeah. of God to understand that there are some things that Come on. some people are going to yeah. try to so I, I, I always go back and forth again this is a whole other podcast and we'll move on here in a second but just the we'll get back to the we'll email get, let's get to the email one but of the, the, right, yeah. you know yeah, the beginning of the world argument yeah mm-hmm. it's like how people who who uh, you know the creation story how did we get here how did the earth get here how long has the earth been here mm-hmm. how can people tell me with such certainty that by looking through uh, radioactive aging mm-hmm. which was a process probably created by man mm-hmm. to say that the world began three billion years ago mm-hmm. like i appreciate the hypothesis you might be right but you can't say with any certainty that you are mm-hmm. you know just like with the creation story mm-hmm. there is an element of we are not going to know the full truth of our existence until we meet the one who made it. I love it. I, and I actually think I, I will. I know we have to move on to something else. This weekend, I geeked out again over one of my favorite books that I have not picked up in 10 years. G.K. Chesterton, to me, the most brilliant person besides Solomon that ever lived. It was his works that planted the seeds for C.S. Lewis to come to faith. And wrote over 250 books, was a poet. He, his contemporaries were H.G. Wells, George Bernard Shaw, just a genius. And his classic book, Orthodox, he talks about there's more truth in mystery than in the facts, mm-hmm. which that's a whole other thing to, to digress. But he said the reason that fairy tales feel more true is because they are. Mm-hmm. That it's chess players that go mad and not poets. And that we write fairy tales about the rivers turning red just so that we can remember for one magical moment that rivers are real at all. Right. And there's more, mis- there's more truth in the mystery. I think as children, not only do we uh, learn, but I think as we grow up, we actually take on more falsehood mm-hmm. about the way that we view the world as our innocence dies. Yeah. That it could be true Jack has a more clear perspective on life right. than I do. Exactly, and it's just the look in his eyes. I'm like, that is what I want to walk through my faith journey with because I just I totally resonate with everything you guys are saying. And honestly, in the church, I would say that we have done a poor job of, of leaning into that mystery. Mm-hmm. And you'll have entire denominations that are separated because these people say these certain words mm-hmm. when they're about to baptize somebody, and these people say this word, and that's clearly not scriptural. But you can mm-hmm. make an argument that either are scriptural. And, it, well, this, you know, this denomination believes that when you do communion that it actually becomes mm-hmm. the transfigured blood and body of dead. They only say it's a symbol. Mm-hmm. And so we are going to 
have completely separate theologies and acknowledge one and not acknowledge the other, that is confusing. Why can't Mm -hmm. we just first, and not that everything's like this, that there are certain things that are outlined, you know, but to to go, let's just appreciate the mystery for a second. And so Mm -hmm. this is our space to process all of those questions. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we, one, thank you so much for the kind words, person who shall not be named who wrote in this email. What was the first name? Uh, I can't can't tell you. (laughs) Um, I said... We, I love watching. <laughs> you know, we always appreciate the encouragement. Um, yeah. It fires us up to yeah, know that yeah. we're helping people. So if you, you know, as always, if you ever just want to say hi, shoot us an email yeah. at the at podcast, podcast <laughs> at church. Mm-hmm. Again, podcast at thex.church. And any question that you have, there is no question that's too big. We'd love to hear them. But I'm going to no. go on. I'm going to read uh, part of this email. It's a long email, so I'm going to try to chunk it up, and we can have some conversation mm-hmm. throughout. Sound good? Mm-hmm. It says, I'll start with one question I've been wrestling with for a long time. A little backstory, I've struggled with emotional health for as long as I can remember. I went to church when I was young, off and on, to even a Christian school. Uh, My home life wasn't something that I would consider to be Christian. When I got to be an adult, I decided to work on my emotional well-being. I was given all sorts of horrible advice from Christians and non-Christians, things like, um, being a good Christian wife to do this or that, um, or you'll never have a normal life if you don't have this certain medication. And so when I got to a point in my life when I learned that maybe I should stop listening to everyone else and do the next small thing for me that felt intuitively right, I made huge strides. Uh, not all the things I practice right now uh, would be considered Christian, quote-unquote. Uh, I, I had some medication for a little over a year, uh, because some felt it was necessary, uh, but I was scared because I um, had gotten addicted to it. So uh, I weaned off of it, and I'm still having withdrawal symptoms. They're not fun. I went to a counselor whom I love, and I invested in a life coach uh, who I found over a year ago. Uh, they have differing views. One's a Christian, and one's not a Christian, um, but does believe in a divine power. Uh, my life coach has taught me to use, taught me to use essential oils, teas, rituals, yoga, meditation, journals, and much more to help with anxiety and depression. I don't think many Christians would agree with all the things I practice, so is it wrong? Why don't you answer that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, first, let me just say, I think, that, you know, my, my heart goes out to somebody. The, the, the reason I got from the sense that this person is saying is that I'm just struggling with my emotional health right now. Right. And I think that's such a huge, huge thing right now in our culture uh emotional health we've talked about it before on here and um so this is I, I, what i hear is somebody who is crying out for help and trying to find something that will help their emotional and mental state of being right from trying from medications to you know a variety of different things um and then you know the question it sounds like is that from advice from a non-christian i'm assuming that's what it was life coach yes who believes in the divine, hey, here are some practices and some things that could help, and, and said that they've found help. This person has said that they have found mm-hmm. it has helped them mentally, emotionally. Um, but some so, of those things have been controversial in church settings. Yes. Yoga. Yoga. Uh, stones, even, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, what you say, rituals, teas, essential mm-hmm. oils, breathing mm-hmm. techniques. I mean, are those things inherently bad? How do you, mm-hmm. how do you navigate that? Uh, so, well, uh, two things to start to starting on that before because i think really it's a that's a conversation about superstition mm-hmm. part of that is 
but before we go there, I think one thing that's important since we're talking about asking questions is I think sometimes we can get a better, we get better answers when we ask better questions. And not that there's anything inherently wrong with the question, but I think sometimes a better question can be not is something bad, but can it be bad? Mm. Or not is it good, but can it be good? Uh, I mean, a really basic example would be sometimes people, not as much in the Midwest, but in the South would say, is it wrong to drink? Better question would be, can it be wrong? For it can mm-hmm. be or it cannot be. Right. Uh, for some people, it may be. Well, for some people, the way they use it, it may be. For some people, why they use it may be. And so I think, first off, I, th- I think a really great starting point is how do you ask the questions? Mm-hmm. And when, when you're looking at it, not only say, is this okay, but can this be okay? What's my motivation for using it? What's behind this? How am I going to use it? What's my actual source going to be? Is sure. this a dependency thing? I, 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 think that's, I think that could be helpful for some people in how you process well, it. I think that um, the, I think part of the reason for my guess is for the question asked that way goes back to earlier, which was I've been told here's what the Bible says, mm-hmm. just do it and believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of those things that were mentioned, a lot of them, I'm not going to say all of them, seem to be outside of the Bible. Mm-hmm. In other words, these are, you know, things. Now, I will say, um, I've had these questions, I've had a lot of these questions posed to me before. We've done series on just like, hey, we want to know your questions. And um, I think that we, I think all of them are a little bit different. Um, you know, a lot of those things that were mentioned have found their source in ancient religions, Far East religions, Okay, a lot of the practices were attached to that. You look at yoga and yoga is, I mean, the first time you hear of yoga historically was 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't really show up. I think it was like 500 BC in, in these Rig Veda, which are these Veda, te- these Veda was a collection of texts they found. Okay, again, these are dating back to about 500 BC. So again, all this stuff is coincide with the same thing that there's things in the Old Testament, ancient mm-hmm. Israel in the same time frame we get texts and things from. They included songs, uh, psalms, mantras, uh, different types of things that were found in these texts. They were used by the Brahmins. They were used by some of these, they were priests. Uh, and so, but, it, but yoga didn't really like, didn't really, so it's interesting because the original like yoga scriptures come from about that 500 B.C., for a lot of those things, it kind of began to change and take shape a little bit different, if I recall, uh, about the second, second um, century A.D. And that's when um, there's this one guy, I don't remember his name, Pantajali. I think it was a Pantajali. Uh, actually, so do you do yoga or do you just love to read? It? No, I just I had to answer. This is impressive. I had to, I'm <laughs> super. I, I'm, I'm just, I had I should to start taking notes as a pastor. I, I have to answer questions like this. This is part of a frequently asked question series. So I remember and I did a lot of research on it. But I remember it, he, awesome. he began to, to shift yoga in, in what it originally was as well. This is before it really fell into all these religions uh, into become part of a pathway toward enlightenment. Okay, these are things that got picked up by Buddhism, Hinduism, things like that as practices toward enlightenment. Okay. So, so they really began to actually take a different shape of things that were used, whether as mantras or certain things, to be getting kind of formed into you actually can use these things to get to a place of enlightenment, which is going to be a different concept completely than what you're going to find in Scripture. Okay, that concept. Um, so that's, you're saying that yoga is not scriptural. Yoga is not in the, when we're talking about scriptures, as in talk about the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, it is not in there. 
um, the practice of yoga in that is not in that. But you're not so, saying it's unbiblical. You're I'm not saying, saying it's, it's abiblical. I'm saying it's abiblical. So yeah, how sorry. can not you unbiblical? A- my bad. I said it earlier. Abiblical. In other words, it's outside of what you find mm-hmm. described in Scripture. So you can be a Christian and do yoga and not be sinning. I'm getting there. <laughs> I, I again, I think it goes back to motive and it goes back to why. Now, what's interesting is it was used very much so uh, in in part of uh, Far Eastern religions as part of the practice of the religions and toward enlightenment and all these other things, which are really more about self-actualization, self-realization. I'm getting to a certain spot or place, not, not I'm trusting in God that I will get to a certain place. Like I'm going to keep, you know, and, and so it really, it didn't actually move to Western cultures. It didn't move to the U S until late 1800s, early 1900s, where some yoga masters came over to the U S and were actually beginning to teach it. Now, as with, with, most Western culture slash the United States of America is so many of these ancient things have become mainstream. Mm-hmm. This is where things start to change. And so you got in the 1900s, about the early, mid-1900s, where yoga, as it was being taught in the few places that it was being taught, I believe it came in through Chicago, Midwest, and some of those things, that where it was being taught, it started being adopted for the practices that it was doing, uh, not the actual religion, not the the messaging behind it that it's part of helping you get to a place of enlightenment, um, help for you get to a place of nirvana eventually, mm-hmm. but the actual physical benefits and practices. And so it became mainstream. And I think that's what's happened over the last 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. you know, is that yoga has become in, in the mainstream less about the, uh, less about some of the attachments to mm-hmm. it of religious purposes mm-hmm. and more about the physical benefits. Mm-hmm. I've done yoga. Okay, <gasps> can you believe it? Oh my God. Uh, I downward dog and warrior one two pose. I know these oh, I things. Need to tell the can board. you? Um, I can't. Can I can't. Show I can't show them. Yeah. I can't show the warrior one and two pose, and the, I can't downward dog. Uh, I'm not going to do downward dog right I now. Do it doesn't look good because it's painful. It, it is. Uh, you hold those poses for a while, and you got to have great balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but but some people I know, and they're part of like they were part of P90X. Mm-hmm. Uh, ones they had yoga in there, See, and you so, are bringing it out. And today. so, yeah. but I'm just saying, P90X, but they, <laughs> but, they but they were P90X yoga is horrible. It, yeah. it is, but it's hard. That's hard, not even so yoga. Hard. But no. it's it was. That's I'm saying DVD. that there yeah. are. I remember that. There's forms of that that I think yeah. people are using for strength training. They're yeah. using for balance, physical. You know, yeah. that are not leaning into the other other parts of yoga. What if the person next to you is at the yoga class? Does that does that stuff rub off on you? I mean, how does that work? I don't think see, it rubs see, off think, on me. So, I guess so I, 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 what if their sweat gets on you? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> this is more disgusting. Not during COVID, yeah. Go ahead. Um, what about I, hot yoga? I've done that's, that. That's a sin. I have is done it, hot no, no. yoga. No, that's that a, from what so I hear, hard. that's a sin. The Bible is absolutely. Like hell. It's come out and said that's that's like hell. You need to clarify. From what I understand, you should not do that. Yeah, should people actually listen to you when you say that? Cleanse your pores. So I obviously the history of yoga is fascinating and. I, you know, I've talked about my nerdy stories of martial arts, so I have, oh, no. I have an affinity for the East. But oh, no. so I think it's fascinating. But honestly, I would come at it from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. I, I think roots matter, and I think when you're looking, when you're doing soul work, especially roots matter. I'm not saying that when you look at things like yoga that they don't. I think doing your research, obviously, to know, I think that's important. I actually just don't think that's the most important, for a few reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
because I, I think here's where we get into superstition. And I, I have to say this. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Yeah. And I had to. Uh, I had to. Uh, I couldn't do the podcast and not do it. Whatever. If you do not watch The Office, then okay. find, yeah, find another podcast. Uh, but I am absolutely not superstitious <laughs> at all. Yeah, you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? Yeah, I do. I've seen all okay. the opposite. Okay. Okay. I know what you're talking about. right over his yeah. No, no, I got <laughs> it. I knew a lot about yoga and a little about <laughs> The Office. But I just finished The Office, by the way, season nine. I'd watched all of them for years, and I never finished it. I, I Going back to it. what you said earlier, Sorry. when you time out. So good. What's the last name of the guy who owns a business in the same business park, who married one of the people in the office? Wait, wait, wait. So you're doing office trivia? Say it again. Yeah. So there's What's the name. There's an office building. Okay. And there's Not, another this company. Was, is this before Dwight owned it? Just you are way. Late. I'm going to give you a hint. Oh. There is a family in our church with this same last name. Okay. So say, what was the question again? I can't believe the he doesn't again? know this. <laughs> What's the question? Okay. You're so I'm not a podcast. massive hero of, like, of being a... You just went on a 45-minute... Uh, About just, yoga. Uh, what, is it, what is the word uh, for Historical, yoga? Yeah. And we're talking Exposition. about the office. Okay. That you've claimed to have watched. I've watched all of them, okay. but it was a long time Somebody. ago. What's the first thing you open in the morning? The Bible. Oh. <laughs> so so there is <laughs> sorry I, okay in i'm not an i'm not an office fanatic i just finished this it you don't have to be a fanatic okay if okay if it's been on in your house you yes it's been on this. it's been on okay, okay so s- somebody in the office in the office married the owner of a company who shares that office building it's like a whole episode on this wedding and he always introduces himself even in his wedding and he says hey i'm I don't. I Finish the sentence, please. Finish it for me. Vance Refrigeration. Bob Vance with Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. Yes. So I was going to say. It's in his vows. I was going to say Phyllis. No, I was going to say Phyllis. I'm Bob Vance with Vance Refrigeration. Okay, I was going to say Phyllis's husband. That's who I was going to say. That's a lie. I did. No, I really did. I was thinking Phyllis. Let's go back to yoga, something that you can speak to. Okay. Anyways. So. So so I'm gonna have to go back and watch the older episodes. You are. You are. Seen the last episode. After we're done with this, we'll go watch that episode. Yes. And. Yeah, Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. You so, can't pastor a church and not know that. Cannot. I'm sorry, I didn't know that. You okay, oh, I'll forget. Preach, I'll, I'll preach this Sunday. Me yes. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I think oh, doing this is research why I to am know. More spiritual than both of you. <laughs> <laughs> While you're reading the Bible, I'm just watching yes. reruns. Yeah. Um, so doing research matters. I think that matters. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put out. Several. You said roots don't matter. No, that's not what I said. No, you said roots do you matter. Said, of course, no, that's right. Said, you said roots, roots matter. You said roots really but, matter. But we're going to talk about Halloween then. Yes, but I want to know about your no, roots no, no, no. Halloween. Here, here's the thing: roots matter. I think more when it comes to internal soul work beliefs. Yeah. Roots do matter when you're going into practices, but more than that, motivation matters. And I'll lay out, I agree. I'll, I'll lay out a few reasons of why. Um, and let, actually, let me get really practical and just pick. If you celebrate Christmas. Or Easter, if you put Christmas trees in your house, or if you have Easter Evil. bunnies or whatever, Evil. there is debate, and Evil. every side thinks they're right, about the origins of Christmas trees and mm-hmm. Easter. What if you found out today that you were wrong and that the origin of Christmas trees is pagan? Here's my question. Are you screwed and have you sinned? I no. would say no, no, because we don't live by superstition. We have a faith that's stronger than superstition. We have a faith that rests on reality of our walk with God and that doesn't rest on loopholes of whether or not something actually, without us even knowing about it, um, well, happened un- to be associated with the unawareness else. of the law also is Well, an unawareness of the law. Too. But the whole point is, what if the roots of Easter and Christmas were that? 
I would argue that doesn't change anything because uh, Paul told, God told Paul and Peter when, when meat was unclean in the New Testament, um, he said, what I've declared clean, let no man call unclean. And it had a specific contextualization for that moment. But there's also this broad principle that there is a liberty as a follower of Jesus that in Christ the world should get bigger, not smaller. Yeah. And there's even moments where uh, th- this church in the city of Corinth, which was like Portland or Seattle, I mean, it, it was like this huge city. And uh, there's this new church, brand new Christians, and they were asking honest questions like this. And they're like, one of the questions, can you imagine this being something you have to wrestle with? What do we do if we're at a house and we think that the meat that was cooked mm. happened to be cooked for demons? Mm-hmm. You would think Paul, now if Paul was raised in a really traditional church, he'd be like, you should not even go in that house. You should right. not even touch that meat. And he said, look, if, if it's going to bother your conscience, don't even ask where it was cooked from. <laughs> Paul seemed to have mm-hmm. this faith mm-hmm. that was bigger than suspicion. Right. He seemed to not, and, and I think I think that here's where the tension comes. We always talk about the paradoxes of the Christian faith. I think there is a tension, and here's where you should process and ask honest questions. There is a tension between I want to guard my heart and not be foolish, but I'm not going to live in fear and superstition. Mm-hmm. So I want to guard my heart. I want to be a whole lot more careful about the, the music I put in my ears and the things I put before my eyes and the kind of spirit that, that I let get into my heart than I am about what yoga came from. So mm-hmm. I'll just say this. Yoga is good for my back and good for relaxation, so I will use it. Mm-hmm. Because I think I, that it may sound weird. I would say that's where what God's called clean, not that God's called yoga clean. Sounds but like God it. can redeem anything. Yeah. And so that, that's the way, I, to me, so a few things. Let's look at, if you were to look at... Um, uh, so, so I'm not superstitious at all. I, I won't watch demonic movies. If there's like a movie yeah. about a demon possession, like for me, why, do, why would I want that in my spirit? Right. I, I'm going to be careful about you that. You know what's interesting? Hold on. It was funny too, as you're saying this, I think about how many people I'm just saying in the church would have such an issue with yoga because of its roots, but would have no problem watching or listening and putting... Uh, other forms of what could be, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. evil. Trap music. Inside, yeah. in, in their spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, the, the, I, I'm just well, saying we, we have to realize well, that finish, can affect us more. Absolutely. I have, let me finish this thought before I get derailed because I have even so many thoughts on that. I mean, yeah. So, I want to say something. Nah, we're not <laughs> now. We're just, but, go but, ahead but, and finish. But, we're good. But, I mean, when you think about, like, so demonic movies, I should be more careful about this, but I try to be careful on what I let come into my ears through music, what I put before my eyes, because those things are going to get in my heart. Mm-hmm. Solomon said, guard your heart above all else. But I want to ask and have a filter for why I'm guarding my heart and what is actually evil. If something's going to get in that's going to affect my spirit, yeah. like a demon-possessed movie, yeah. or, or even some things that aren't a big deal, but like, okay, like zodiac signs. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not going to ever get on a soapbox about that. But Scripture does specifically warn against astrology. Yep. So I would probably more just make fun of somebody. More than calling it sinful, I would say it's stupid. I, would, I mean, it's a cliche, but why consult the stars and you consult the one that made the stars, blah, 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 blah. Even horoscopes? Uh, even horoscopes. Like, I, like to me, like, I'm not, I would, like, I'll never get on a soapbox about that, but it's just like, not, like what's the point of it? Yeah. Or, like, Ouija boards. Ouija boards are spiritism, like, plain and simple. Yeah. So stay away. But when it comes to stuff that just is, like, a taboo because— Oh, I don't know if a long time ago that was associated. If something has the intent 
of spiritual abnormality, if something has the intent of bringing some darkness in your life or opening a window to demonic activity, then obviously don't do it. But if you are doing yoga in its inherent essence, this goes back to is it bad or can it be bad? You know what? If you go down a road or maybe if you're inclined Mm -hmm. to go down a road of sensational spiritualism and things that are extra biblical outside the Bible, outside the parameters of what would honor God, then yes, stay away if you're going to get into some of the weird chakras and some of the weird Mm -hmm. incantations, all that kind of stuff. But if you just have, if you're like me and you've had lower back pain since ninth grade and yoga can help your back and bring relaxation, then redeem it and don't live in fear and use whatever common grace is in this world for your good. Yoga, not deadlifts. (laughs) I I I think it's, an interesting concept, which is why I brought a psychic palm reader oh. to come join the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I was freaked out for a second there. <laughs> I want to. Uh, what you say about superstition is interesting to me, because as a baseball player mm-hmm. and as a former Catholic, um, that word for some reason just like fires me up. Because I, I, I don't want to devalue people in their. Um, Confuse like I don't want to devalue people's like worry yeah. about because that's a really hard concept what you just laid out and I think that it was beautiful and I think it's going to be helpful to a lot of people but it is really hard to listen to all of the influence that this world has on us and what is good and what isn't good and to understand these like deeply uh, scriptural and uh, spiritual things like. Uh, if you haven't done the really hard work and it's very uh, difficult to really form this kind of worldview, but you have to do a lot of hard work to understand and to uh, come to a, I don't know, to come to an understanding and how the Holy Spirit can, can advise you in this kind of thing about the spirituality that's in the world. Mm-hmm. When you understand that you know, our fight as Christians isn't against flesh and blood, right? Right, But it's against the rulers and principalities of a dark world. Right. And we understand that there is spiritual conflict right. in the air. It's in uh, mm-hmm. the spiritual realm. And so understanding that and not being afraid of that right. is when I can look at things like I'm not going to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I just feel like it's the thought of that is right. just— uh, I just the 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 conviction that I have is I just don't like you said I just don't want that in my house. Right now I don't want to have to go to sleep thinking about those things. Right. I don't want that to consume my mind. I'd rather fill myself up right. with things that give me life, right. not things that scare the crap out of me. Right, you know, and make me feel those things. Um, you know, in baseball you you'll have all these superstitions, but you understand that they really are pointless. Right. right? Like, I'm going to touch this three times, or yeah. when I get in the batter's box, here's my superstition that I do this. And mm-hmm. um, it really it has no value. It brings you comfort because last time something positive happened, you did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're somebody who you have these superstitious things in your life. And I don't know if it's necessarily horrible, but I think at the end of the day, you understand there's really no value. Yeah. Like, science isn't going to go, right. like, because you touch that part of the mm-hmm. home plate that you're going to have a better batting average. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the way it works out, but it's probably the way it affects you psychologically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are things that may seem superstitious in religion mm-hmm. that actually a lot of people would say do bring value. And so I think what I, when I hear her question here about yoga, what she's asking is this has brought me a lot of value. 
And it's just not something that I do. And I know it's kind of a, but it makes me, like I do find some relief in this. Mm-hmm. And I do find some restoration in my soul mm-hmm. with this. And so yeah. is, is that bad? No. You know? No. And how do you, how, how about this? How about we lay out, even piggybacking off what you said, because I think you started this. What's a healthy perspective on that? Um, that uh, you, you talked about nirvana. You talked about enlightenment. What's a healthy perspective as a Christian? How can you arrive to that sort of emotional sensation, um, spiritual sensation, in a way that reflects Jesus? Can you do that through yoga? Can you do that through drinking tea and having essential oils? And how, what, what kind of perspective would you, would you want to lay out for somebody as they're asking these questions? I, I, I mean, taking into consideration, I think, all of what you said earlier, Russ, about just what's your motive, you know, what is your intent behind that? Um, when you're trying to find help and you're trying to find it, I believe that God has created things in this world that we can use that can help us. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that through medication. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's talking about medication, but obviously medications certain medications come with side effects and they come with addictions. And she was like, I don't, I don't want to feel that way and I don't want to do it. And I think there's other even natural things that, that we've, we've got to, to do things like that. So I think that there's benefit for practices and things like that um, that can help. I, I think I, I would personally, again, a lot of this is personal. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's one of the things. First of all, let's just say pretty much everything on that list that was put on there is abiblical. Mm-hmm. So to me, whenever there's something that we have today that is abiblical, I want to first, I mean, again, our first thing is I want to look and see, okay, is there anything in Scripture that speaks to this? And if it does clearly, then that's what I want to set as my authority. If it doesn't, then I want to say, is there a principle mm-hmm. in Scripture that would speak to it? Because mm-hmm. let's face it, I mean, I the scriptures, were, really scriptures were written thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. some really thousands of years ago, but, you know, even scribes and stuff were written in the first century, so we're almost 2,000 years ago that some of the stuff is written, there's stuff in our context that just was not even a question then. They didn't have essential oil diffusers. No, they didn't have any of that stuff. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Do you have essential oil diffusers? Do you use that before you preach? No. I believe I let's go. I don't. Do you have a specific concoction? No, I I don't. I Um, use essential oils. Do you? You like them? Room every Um, night. um, And so you guys can... You guys can repent of that later. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think I don't have anything wrong with essential oils. I put essential oils in. The, so I would like to at least kind of break these up if we could categorically just go through a few of them. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, like essential oils. Um, to me, again, I, I feel like there's always a balance in this. There are some that attribute such healing powers to them. I have tried some. They're like, hey, when you're sick. You put some of this in your tea, clears you right up. There are medicines and things that we do that. Why, why couldn't there be other natural things that we can do that could actually help clear your... The talks about frankincense. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, peppermint that you put on your temples helps headaches go away. I don't know if it does. I've tried it. It, it didn't. Have you ever tried I didn't think it helped. Have you ever tried a peppermint bomb? It's... <laughs> Have you repented yet? No. Have you tried okay. permit bomb? Anybody that's listening, you got to try this. Okay. I'm just got to no, go here. Right, here we go. Yeah, we gotta, pray before you do it. Pray yeah. before you do it. This is. Um, okay. You get peppermint. It's my favorite oil. It's so potent, so fresh. It's so invigorating. So one time I went to this juice shop, and I, I don't know if there was like bags on my eyes, but the girl's like, you got to try a peppermint bomb. So you dab like three or four uh, drops in your palm, rub it together, form, little oval whatever and then you just 
take the deepest inhale breath and it is the greatest pick-me-up. You will make fun of me. Some of you religious people will judge me, but I do it every so single morning. So let's do a morning. peppermint You hit. do that every morning? Peppermint bomb every single morning. Every wow, every morning. and you do the, is it the nicotine bomb every morning? Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's what it sounded like, taking a hit. Well, um, last thing, and then get a principal. For the record, that is, no, I have conquered. I know, I know, but we're just on essential oil. Sorry, I know you're getting principles. I think the other thing that's really, really important to say, though, like for anybody that's asking, is not just, um, is not just, uh, yeah, scripture, I love the way Mark Batterson says, Scripture's your, your guideline, Holy Spirit's your guide. Mm-hmm. I like but then, that. That's good. But so, so look, I think the more you Say build, it again, Peppermint Man. Scripture yeah, peppermint is your boy. guideline, Holy Spirit's your guide. I like that. So the more you build your life and know what Scripture says and hide it in your heart yep. and have a sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I think the more you're actually going to feel freedom uh, and, and to just, trust just, and be and, led and by and the like Spirit of God. And just like physical senses, the more you walk with Jesus and learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, yeah. it's, it's, it's like what Paul said, you're going to exercise that discernment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the other part of it, too, with anything in life, whether it's yoga or, or whatever you're doing, is to look at, is this supplemental or is this a source? Yeah. Yes. So, so I like that. So, like... Go back to the alcohol go, thing. If, if you have a glass of wine, if you don't have an addictive personality, if you have a glass of wine with baked fish, that's between you and Jesus. If that becomes why, why baked, baked fish? I don't, I don't like baked fish. I don't fish. know. It just came you know out. You're just it. Just baked came fish. Out. You know, but if that's your source of relief when you're <laughs> yeah. sad, right? That goes well, from being a blessing to a curse. But isn't that what Paul says when so he says all things? All things might be permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Right. And I think that's where it gets. And and I. I think what you also said to me, that's how I'd put, I think essential oils <laughs> Big fish. and I think, <laughs> boy, that was delayed. Um, I think essential oils. You know what I, I do? I, think I rub this peppermint <laughs> oil all over my baked fish. all my seafood oh, and every gosh. morning. Yes, right, he does. We I'm lost him. Again. Um, <laughs> I think, I think one that was mentioned in there that <laughs> I would have a little bit more caution around. And again, this goes more to, I do agree that like some of these things that are abiblical, you need to trust the Holy Spirit. Drinking bat blood. You know, it wasn't drinking bat blood. It would have been um, crystals. <laughs> and the reason why I would yeah. say crystals. Okay, here's what I say. Yoga, when you're talking about for physical benefits of stretching, balance, muscle, re- you know, relaxing your body. I feel better after I work out in general. <laughs> Sorry. It's very helpful. Okay. Hannah on our creative team just walked by. She teaches yoga. Well, she does, but she's she's repented. She quit. Okay. She got out of it. Um, then you've got so you have like yoga that can have those kind of benefits. Um, you without having to get into believing it, it's going to get me enlightened that I'll do this. Okay, you have crystals. The intent of crystals, as far as I know. Now, again, I am not an expert on crystals. I I've done just very little research I've because of you as a crystal expert. Crystal expert. <laughs> I, from what I hear of it, it is, it is more of a healing thing. There's a healing crystals. But here's where I would, I would push back, and here's where I would create caution. Again, this is all abiblical, so this is where I think you have to use wisdom. I think this is where you have to say what in Scripture principle-wise could guide me, and then the Holy Spirit. And I really feel like crystals, the big em- emphasis is that they have some kind of power to kind of give you what you don't have. Um, and so there's all these different crystals, which again, a lot of them are stones and there are different stones and jewels talked about in the Bible, but not in this sense. They were reflective of certain things, not that they carry certain powers. And so amethyst and different ones like, okay, so that you, if you're like, I feel like I don't have peace or I don't have this going on in my, whatever toxins in my body, then I'm going to have these kind of crystals and I'm going to put them in my yoga mat and there's things with the way they're going to give me energy and all this kind of stuff. Here's what I say. There's no scientific fact that they produce any kind of power. They're literally just an object, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, obviously, what you uh, 
ascribed to an object becomes very significant. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, and this is true of anything. And so I, I think to me, it goes back to that source. If you believe that that crystal has a power that is somehow going to change or alter you because of that, I would argue that's borderline getting very dangerous. Why? Yeah. Because you're, you're taking power to me, the only source of real power in, 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 in this context from the creator and you're putting it on a created object and you're ascribing power to me, a source that belongs to God, yeah. to an object that it could give me something rather than I'm going to try to get it from God. I think that's super important, mm. what you said, in understanding this. And I think, one, I think this conversation so far has been super helpful and as nuanced as it is, and I know we've been picking on yoga and certain things, but just to back it up and just to zoom it out a little bit, I love what you guys have said on a process and a mindset on how you can approach these types of things that are iffy or you've heard is or isn't Christian or anti-Christian or biblical mm -hmm. or abiblical or uh, whatever. I think that, um, so I'll give you one example. Uh, I think people in the church even get caught up on what you said, ascribing value uh, and ascribing things to an object, mm -hmm. especially in the tradition I grew up in, in yeah. Catholicism, oh, yeah. is that the amount of a meaning that objects would carry Correct. holds so much weight. I can, I, I mean, even to this day, I hear people I grew up with around the faith, like, say that, for example, reference our church, because we don't have a cross visible. Mm -hmm. and we the had that question that, Sunday. Right. The fact that we don't have a cross visible means that we must not be a church that I don't know, believes in Jesus, or it means yeah. something to them that you yeah. have to have a cross. And growing up, we had crucifixes in every single room in our house. Yeah, um, a Palm Sunday, ascribing meaning to the the palm branches. I mean, uh, relics in every Catholic church that there's a fragment of a bone of some saint mm -hmm. within your altar. I mean, there is so mm -hmm. much in the Catholic Church these meanings, mm -hmm. even not even objects, but ascribing value to what most people would well, call superstition. I would say not only value, but power. Power. I, I, like I, that. I think I think it's beyond that because I have seen this like firsthand. I remember when I went mm -hmm. to Israel. I, I mentioned this to you guys the other day, and um, when I went to Israel, this was a really fascinating moment. We went to uh, a place in um, went to the place in Jerusalem. Uh, where, it, again, it's, it's in Jerusalem, which, again, Jesus was crucified outside of the city. However, the property line, they believe, was extended. Okay, so this was the, the, the place that uh, very orthodox and the Catholic Church all ascribe as this is the place where Jesus was crucified and this is where he was buried. Mm -hmm. um, it does not seem to line up with me near as much as the garden tomb. I'll just say that in the hill where you see kind of like the skull-like figure and, you know, Golgotha. But, and that's debated and it doesn't matter. Um, but when we went to this place, I, I never forget, we were walking through it on this tour and there was a stone on the ground, this big like slab of them, bigger, about the size of this table, maybe a little bit bigger than this table, uh, just a slab on the ground. And all of these people were coming up to it, and they're bending down. They're kneeling down, and they were, like, touching it. And they were putting their hands on it. They were putting their face on it. Again, pre-COVID. They were doing all these things on the side. And we were like, what, what are they doing? What's going on? And the tour guide said that 
it was believed that this is one. This stone was one of the places that when Jesus was crucified, he was taken off the cross. That he, they laid his body on the stone. They unearthed and they found. Again, this goes back to just you follow history. They kind of unearthed at one point some spots where they found some crosses, and there was a I can't remember which uh, woman was in charge at the time, and it was just like you know, hey, this is these were the crosses Jesus died on. It kind of became the spot. And it was like, this was where they laid Jesus's body. And so he said, people will come from all over and they touch it and they rub it to receive a transfer of some a blessing and some kind of thing from the stone that his body was laid on thousands of years ago, you know? And we would see other, like you said, relics. And there would be other places where we'd see, and even Orthodox, yeah. where people would come up and they would touch it. They would you all like come the, up and they would touch it and they do that. You know, they you do the cross. about they, the wailing wall. Well, you see that in the Jewish, I'm just saying this, this spans into a lot of different religions, yeah. right? Even in Judaism, right? You go to the Wailing Wall, the one part of the original wall, it's still there on the western side. And all of these Jews, they go and they stand in front of the Wailing Wall and they take actual little prayers and they roll them and they'll stick them in the wall. And they go and they pray in front of this Wailing Wall. And there's, there's kind of movements with it and all kinds of other things. And they believe that at this place, in this original place, the Wailing Wall, that God will hear their prayers but it's almost like you have to be in proximity and you have to be touching these things and you have to. And I just, and for what I believe, and you may believe that and maybe different as a Christ follower, what I believe is that the spirit of God is with me and I believe I don't have to touch something and I don't have to have a relic or a thing. Uh, that's, they might be meaningful. Let me just say that even in the Catholic tradition, even in Protestant traditions, a cross and all these things could be absolutely meaningful to you. They represent what Jesus did for you. There's nothing wrong with that. Let me just say that. I'm not, we're not against that at all. There's a difference when it goes from that has a meaning to me. Like it, it helps me remember what Jesus did. Again, we can go back to the Eucharist and you can go back to communion. The same thing. And the Protestant would say it's a symbol. That when I have bread and wine or bread and juice, it's just bread and wine. I, just, I went to Kroger and bought it. There was nothing significant about it. It was a symbol when Paul, when Jesus said, and he held up a cup and he said, this is my blood. No one believed that was his blood. They believed that he was saying, this represents my blood. Yeah. And, and again, it doesn't and turn into the, that's blood different. Well, in the Catholic tradition or in the Eucharist with the priest, they would actually be in transubstantiation where the, the body and blood that it turns into the body and blood. And you have to be a Catholic in order to partake of it. Uh, uh, and, and so again, I feel like that's when there's a line that we cross when something goes from meaningful to it becoming powerful. Yes. When something goes from something that is meant to be symbolic or meant to like, and it does touch me. And every time we're going to do communion tonight. And when we do that, I, I believe in that moment. I think about what Jesus did for me more than any other time. Yes. Like there's something about it that really does. But when it goes beyond that to become a moment where it's like, I think mysteriously somehow this magically became the blood of Jesus. And I'm literally drinking the blood where I believe he was talking figuratively and not, you know what I mean? It's just like in John 6 when he says that unless you eat of my flesh and you drink of my blood. And everybody was like, what? You're a psycho. Cannibalism? No. And they all walk away from Jesus. You think it's there's like, some mystery in between though? Like, I don't believe in transubstantiation. I think that's an incredible principle you laid out between meaningful and powerful. But I think there's mystery in between. But let me, let me, I, I want to participate in that part of the conversation because on, I'm not trying to, you know, crap on Catholics and Catholicism no. as a whole. There are things just as every other oh, denomination mm -hmm. that I disagree with doctrinally. Mm -hmm. um, and that some may disagree with where we stand doctrinally. Mm -hmm. um, but what I will say is, uh, 
since I had an encounter with Jesus and have participated in a church like this, I'm actually able to go into a Catholic setting into the, the difference you laid out between being meaningful and powerful. My power is not walking into a Catholic church, dipping my finger mm-hmm. in the, the holy water, mm-hmm. and to remind myself of baptism with the sign of the cross every time. Right. Like, I don't... That, I do that every time I walk into a Catholic church, but now it means so much more to me. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very meaningful mm-hmm. when you are able to connect it yeah. to the spiritual principle of going, wow, and, and you remind yourself of your baptism. That's one example. The sign of the cross means more to me yeah. because the mm-hmm. God existing in three persons means more to me because I understand it now through my revelations that I've had with God. Like You've brought um, meaning to it instead of it bringing meaning. Exactly. Yeah. But to... But to, so many people live, and I've experienced it even in the Catholic Church. So many people say, "Well, it you know, this it becomes uh, superstitious when you as- ascribe power to it, or becomes legalistic, or becomes you well." Know what and I'm well, Turn here's the thing: yeah, into a into yes. like a. If There's I nothing don't, wrong with tradition. It's what happens right. if you make something more out of that if tradition. If you don't receive There's the Eucharist on a yes. Sunday. I mean, this is what yeah. I used to believe. Yeah. I don't know if this was naive. This is what I picked up. If I didn't receive the Eucharist on a Sunday, yeah. then I, if I died that week, I you wasn't going to hell. And the thing Absolutely. is, Jesus warned about that. He rebuked the Pharisees, and he said something that I think is really important for everybody to hear, especially in a, a religious world. He said, you teach as traditions the commandments of God. Mm-hmm. That's why one of the things we try to do here is hold certain things with. He the said closed. you've held on to man's traditions. You've let go of the commands of but, God. No, but in another, but but he specifically said the other as well. He said you teach as uh, the commands of God the traditions of men. Those are his exact that, words. That's okay. Same thing, He's, but yes, and, that's and, interesting. But but it's important because no, yeah, I know. In, in, an, in an attempt, sometimes rightly motivated to protect people or to make sure that people take things the right way. This is why I think it's really important, not, not to sidetrack us, but when it comes to superstition, whatever your personal conviction becomes, that's between you and God. But I think it's really, really important that if it's, if it's not black, if you're in a faith tradition, if it's not black and white in Scripture, never to impose that on somebody else. Yes. yes. And yes. never to say, if you don't do it this way. I agree. When it comes to baptism, yes. when it comes to Eucharist, when it comes to anything, let it be meaningful and powerful because, like you said, God has brought meaning to your heart, so yes. you bring meaning to it. Yes. But in the specific way you do it, if it's not black and white in Scripture, don't you dare impose that on exactly. somebody. Exactly. I feel that's. Amen. I think that's awesome because— I've had that argument with a lot of uh, people who I, and I'm, again, not trying to pick up on or pick on Catholicism in general. It's just my context that yeah. it's a lot of these types of conversations, like the yoga conversation mm-hmm. that's kind of a church, like outside of mm-hmm. religion right. in a way. It's its own type of thing. That this, These conversations do happen within mm-hmm. religion and Christianity as mm-hmm. well. And um, I, I, I think I kind of, I don't know. I just, I resonate so much with what you're saying that ascribing value to these things but even with the eucharist thing like tonight when, when we do communion mm-hmm. it is so powerful to yeah. me yeah because i grew up and i actually find value now looking back in the repetition of that moment mm-hmm. because it made me question but what you said not imposing your values on people in the catholic church i was somebody who before i had a, an encounter with jesus i i, I was somebody who would do that and piggybacking off what you said, it is so dangerous to put on somebody what God would opine about a certain mm-hmm. tradition or action mm-hmm. if you have never done your research, mm-hmm. if you've never first asked God, if you've never even cracked your Bible open to find mm-hmm. out what is 
in there what you yeah. claim to base your entire faith off of. And I'm just saying that because that's who I was. I did a lot of harm, and I probably confused a lot of people mm-hmm. about Christianity and God mm-hmm. because I would superimpose my values on people based on just a religion. Traditions, yeah. what was yeah. handed down to you, right. what you were told. Mm-hmm. Now I say, mm-hmm. I don't know, sure, I don't think being a Catholic's bad. I don't think being yeah. a, mm-hmm. I would say, you open your Bible. Right. Yeah. I would say, let it be you, real for you. You ask God. You, yeah. you have a daily devotional mm-hmm. re- relationship with Jesus if you claim to follow him mm-hmm. and if you claim to be Christian and let that God, mm-hmm. and then we'll have yeah. a conversation. We'll yeah. come back to the table yeah. and let's talk through these yeah. things that it's almost impossible to know. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 Going back to what you said earlier, it's great that these questions are asked mm-hmm. because we want to encourage people to take their faith spiritually. And spiritual warfare is real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's real. It should be taken seriously. But in things that are not overtly spiritual that you cannot look in Scripture, mm-hmm. and once you've looked at what Scripture says and you've got the God as your Holy Spirit, you've got to decide between you and God. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the mistakes you a lot of times you, you make early in faith in your zeal is whatever personal conviction you come to, you do want to impose that on others. Oh, yeah. I, I was, um, I was reading uh, one of C.S. Lewis books one time and he's talking about how there's certain subcultures of Christianity where drinking is taboo. Mm-hmm. And it brought that up a couple of times, but he talks about how he said the, the religion of teetotalism, in other words, that you should never drink is actually Islam, not Christianity. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you decide for you that you shouldn't protect, that's fine. And then he made a statement I'll never forget. He said, but it is a certain type of bad man or woman who then when they abstain tries to focus that abstinence on other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, Oh man, because isn't that a tendency so many times once I've decided, oh, I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. But there is a mat- actual place of spiritual maturity with something that's not black and white in Scripture that you can say, for me, this is a no for me. But if you can do that, I'm going to celebrate that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, um, I think a great for those who are listening who are Christ followers, if there's something that you, you want to like, I want to understand what you're saying, how to process that. I think Romans 14 is one of the greatest passages mm-hmm. for that. You know, it says to accept those who, whose faith is weaker mm-hmm. than yours mm-hmm. without arguing over mm-hmm. disputable yep. matters. And I think that's yep. what we're talking about. We're not talking about the bare essentials of Christianity right. or bare right. essentials of my faith. We're talking about these extracurricular things and these things add value to my life. And these things, I, 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 I love what you're saying. I think there are, I think this is where sometimes the modern church and the traditional church clash. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's because we can't have a conversation to say there are some great things of value in tradition. Mm-hmm. But when those va- those traditions become more valuable than an authentic relationship with with Jesus, yeah. then I feel like that's that's part of why there's been this this clash yeah. between. And so it's like I think modern church. It's often thought you know modern church they throw out anything traditional. Mm-hmm. We don't. We we still do communion. Um, you know we'll do we do baptism. I mean there's things that we do. We pray. You fast. know we read the Bible. Mm-hmm. We do fast. Like we don't throw out things a tradition. We just kind of place traditions in their place. Yes. We just kind of say, here, here's these can add meaning, but they don't have power over my life. And I think when I think about things like crystals or certain aspects of this, and again, I think what we're saying is I go back to Romans 14. This is one of those things we're not telling you what to do. Right. You need to process yourself with right. God. You, mm-hmm. I, I preach them asking us these questions, but I also think that if you could, if because of whatever background Mm-hmm. you're at a place where you go, I don't feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Then don't do it. Yeah. But don't also project that yeah. on somebody else that right. does it, yeah. which I think is what we're trying mm-hmm. to say. Don't project yeah. that on somebody else. Roman, read Romans 14. Yeah. 
yeah. that's 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 a great chapter to help you walk through. Mm-hmm. It's like, and if something I'm doing that I have freedom in causes somebody else to yeah. sin, yeah. then I also shouldn't right. do that. Right. And so yeah. I think we, the, it just is a perfect Absolutely. chapter to describe yes. that. And mm-hmm. this is if you say that. that Walking out this path as a Christ follower is anything but a wrestling match with God. Right. Yeah. Then you're not uh, giving. I just think this is all. You just. I think about that passage of scripture. Think about Jacob wrestling with God. Like this, mm-hmm. this, this wrestling match that. Yeah. That so often people have this fear of God and, and what He wants in His commands. I just want to do the right thing. Yeah. I right. just want to do the right thing. Can you just tell me if this is right or wrong? And. God wants us to engage in that wrestling match with yeah. him. Yeah. And I think that's where the value comes from. And he'll mm-hmm. teach you what you said in the very beginning, that it's not just about true and false, but it's about looking at things through principles mm-hmm. and understanding as you walk with Christ and as you walk with God, what what's the principle mm-hmm. I can I can use here by looking at these things? Yeah. I don't know if it's as black and white, yeah. but I can look at things through principles. Mm-hmm. I preached a message to our youth. is one of the last ones I, I had done. It was... In the context of uh, relationships and sexual sin, which is always a fun one to preach <laughs> to teenagers, um, but at, at uh, we used to have this huge industrial-sized coffee maker in, at our Lithopolis campus, and I brought out one of the filters and described to them how how I tried to go about certain things. And I think it applies to this conversation as well: mm-hmm. is filtering everything that I hear through. Yeah. Uh, my relationship with Jesus, That's my good. God filter. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. And I don't go into any conversation that has to do with yoga, that has to do with palm reading, that has to do with uh, Catholicism, the sign of the cross and, and uh, the holy water or even baseball superstitions, I, whatever, uh, alcohol. I look at, I have made the decision as somebody who follows Jesus to I filter everything in my life yeah. through a yeah. God filter. The way I manage my money, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. my thoughts, yeah. uh, my marriage, the way I parent, the way I treat my parents. It's mm-hmm. all through that yep. filter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's as black and white as people would love for some. Like, tell me if this is right or wrong. Yeah. Wrestle with it. Yeah, Wrestle here's, with it. Here's another way to look at it, too. I heard somebody say one time that uh, moralistic thinking is one of the lowest levels of thinking. Mm-hmm. But ask instead... What would create the optimal place in life that I could live at the greatest place of freedom possible? Mm -hmm. Paul said this, you have been called to freedom. Mm -hmm. So another filter, if scripture is not clear and you're not sure what the Holy Spirit is saying, what is going to create the greatest freedom in Jesus in your life and what is going to draw you closer to God? Mm -hmm. And if there's something that is amoral, it's not immoral, Mm -hmm. it's just neutral, uh, depending on how you use it, and you can use it as common grace. Advil is not in the Bible, but I can promise you with a clean conscience, I have a freedom in Jesus. I can use Advil yeah. if I have a headache, mm-hmm. and he doesn't heal me first. Mm-hmm. And, and so what does it look like to have a freedom in Jesus? Because I love that you brought up Romans 14, because Paul says you have been called to be free. However, don't yeah. use your freedom to indulge yourself, but to serve others. Yes. Yeah. And two huge principles in Romans 14, I think, are just worth bringing out. Number one is that love for others is primary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when, when After you've processed what I think, what my personal conviction is, the way you treat others, not making it a stumbling block, but also not imposing, neither one of those is loving. But then the second thing that I just think is interesting, and this isn't in, in any way, um, uh, in, in any kind of condescending way, but I, I just think it's worth noting if 
if you come from the point of view where you tend to think very hyper-religious, like no one should ever celebrate Halloween, no yeah. one should ever, I think it's worth, it's just worth noting the, um, the, the primary point in Romans 14 is love, but the secondary implication is those that are superstitious are those that are weaker in the faith. Because mm-hmm. he actually says you don't want to put a stumbling block for those that are weaker in the faith. The implication being that the more you grow in Jesus, the greater your liberty in God becomes, the less you live in fear. Yeah. You're going to always, there's a difference between living in wisdom and living in fear, that you're going to live in wisdom to guard your heart from anything that can pollute it. But you're not going to live your life in this neurotic preoccupation with, oh my gosh, if I didn't do that. I, when, I, when I was a kid, before I really met Jesus, uh, and I, I would pray, but it was OCD prayers. Mm-hmm. I still remember I still remember the prayer. I would pray every night for like two years. God, tonight, don't let there be any robbers, murderers, or burglars. Don't let there be a fire in my house. Don't let anybody come in and I kill my parents. Don't let my daughter. I mean, every, yeah. and nothing's anything wrong with that. I literally I, and can I just be honest? True confession. I'm myself being liberated from superstition. I have a specific prayer every time I pr- every time I board a flight. <laughs> I pray, God, don't let there be engines catch on fire. Don't let there be any turbulence inside or outside. Don't let there be little or no turbulence. Don't let there be any terrorism. Don't let there be. I really do. I should not confess that, but but I just think that's important noting. Not not just not just <laughs> turbulence cha- and terrorism prayer. <laughs> turbulence and turns. But not just to challenge the overly religious, but also oh. to to give us love and empathy for those that are weaker in the faith. Because here's something I've noted: a lot of times when people are brand new in Jesus, like you said, they're trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And if you need for a while yeah. to build bigger fences, yeah, to protect that, yourself until yeah. you figure out and wrestle through, yeah, like don't let anybody make you feel guilty about that. Yeah. yeah, if you need to have bigger boundaries to protect and guard your heart, then do it. Yeah, just don't ever let that turn into pride where you impose that on others. Yeah, so I love the I love the point that you made about fear. And the only thing I just go back to like if you're processing all these things, because I think what we've kind of boil all this down to these are things that are not defined in scripture that we have questions about yeah. right and we're saying how do we process things that we are you know uh, we don't know it's like would god want us to do this and not want us to do this and especially things that could have roots mm-hmm. in things that are pagan yeah right like you think about halloween and it has mm-hmm. roots and things like that how, how do we process those things i think you know you have to um i think you've got to again i search scriptures I think it's important not to neglect that part. Search the scriptures. Ask spiritual leaders. Ask mm-hmm. people that you can. Yeah. That maybe I'll, that's what it is. Ask these questions. I think, too, if scripture doesn't speak to it, then I think that's where you're using your God-wired conscience and the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit together mm-hmm. to really guide you in what you're doing. But I will say, if any of these things become where you're adopting with them the, the power of that object to bring relief, to do something, I, I would— that's just me personal. That's my personal yeah. caution in there because, yeah. because at the moment you give power to something, that's what superstition is. Right. I've ascribed power that if I do this wrong or if I don't do this, whatever, something bad. For example, I am notorious for walking under ladders. <laughs> I do it on purpose. I've, I've done it for that. years. I literally see a ladder. I always do this when I was at work at the state. and it's Ladders and all like, hey, watch this. And I'll walk under the ladder. It's because I don't have any fear that right. walking under the ladder is actually going to bring bad luck into my life. Right. Because I trust in God, and I have not ascribed that power to it. And mm-hmm. I think when you had mentioned power, and so I feel like it's like, how do I categorically address all of these things? Well, take them one at a time and yeah. talk and look at these different things and see, okay, they're not scripture. They're not this. Well, why do they say that these crystals, that if I touch them, that if I rub them, that they have crystal necklaces with a cross you wear you have it close to your heart that it mm-hmm. will transfer and do these things like do i believe that does it really do that why am 
am I saying that it does that? What am I not getting from my relationship with God that that right. thing is needing to supplement? Yeah. yeah and, and I think when you, when you process and walk through that, you can make a decision that you can feel good about in your mm-hmm. conscience before God that isn't. I, I will say one of the things that was mentioned on there was breath work and meditation. I'll say that is in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I, do, I know that part of yoga and part of some Eastern religions is a lot of focusing on breath work and focusing on meditation. Uh, we have to remember the Christian faith is also Eastern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not yep. a Western faith. Yep. Okay, meditation was also a part of that. Mm-hmm. And I just think about God's word encourages us to meditate. Yeah. It really does. I mean, Psalm 19, you know, it just says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to God. It speaks that we should be meditating. Psalm chapter 1 talks about blessed is the person who does not, you know, all these different things. And part of it, who who meditates on his law day and night. There is great value in some of these things. He also creates your breath. Huh? He also also, put the breath in you, and so you're giving it back to him. But Mm -hmm. I do think that, I just think, but there are also, I think it goes back to redeeming and what God Mm -hmm. does. I also believe that there are other forms of breath work where the idea is yeah. that you're going to get to some type of in state. You're getting into some kind of state, mm-hmm. and your focus is not necessarily on Christ. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily. I think about what Paul said. He said, think, put your thoughts. He says, think on things above. Yeah, They're uh, above. And so I think yeah. it really comes down to what are you doing? I think it's okay to meditate. If, you, if people, you're in a yoga class, and, okay, there's a moment where everybody's doing meditations. Maybe they're getting in poses. Maybe you're going to go, okay, whatever. But – Chanting. I, I'm chanting and all that stuff. Like I, again, <laughs> I just I, it's right. like, but it's like, okay, if someone else over there who doesn't believe in Christ is going to do that, that's fine. I'm going to meditate on. I want to meditate on His salvation. I want to meditate yes. on His grace, right. and that's I want to meditate really on His mercy, and I want to yeah. meditate on how big I think God is, and how my yeah. problems become smaller when He gets bigger. And I'm, you know what I mean? Like right. I, I'm going to focus that's in on that with my meditation. I'm not going to take what somebody hands me. Okay, I think this we got to be careful. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, because this is what intuitively feels right. You can be deceived and it feel right. I also There's think, people all over the world who are deceived yeah. by what feels right. I'm not just going to take what somebody hands me, including a pastor. I'm just going to take what someone yeah. hands me and go, do this, and you'll feel better when it comes to tapping into mm-hmm. something that is spiritual, and I am spiritual. Yeah. That could be tapping into something spiritual without me going through a filter, without yeah. me praying mm-hmm. about it, yeah. without me going, right. God is this. You do all of that stuff, and you can't find anything scriptural, mm-hmm. and you could have great conversation like this, and you feel in your conscience clear, because I'm going to meditate on Jesus when I do this, right. then yeah. do it. Yep. Yeah. And don't feel yeah. guilty about it. That's what I have yeah, to say. I think in one last, I think, just filter that hopefully helps, I think it's really important, is kind of like a, hopefully as a guide, is be wary of anything that distracts you. Yes. Yeah. So while, you, while I believe there is a great freedom in Jesus uh, to say, what can I use that's useful and not live in fear as long as it's not unbiblical, immoral, damaging, harmful, mm-hmm. opening a door to the enemy, while I believe that, I also... Paul warns about people, and again, this I feel like this happens a lot, especially in early years of following Jesus. He warns about getting caught up in strange winds of doctrine. Mm-hmm. And there are people all the time, I, I, I've been meeting with someone that um, they told me they've just been having all these crazy, weird dreams, and they're always wanting to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, look, I'm, I'm not a prophet. I mean, I, I don't know what all these means. They may be from God. They may not. Write them down. Ask God to help you. I believe God gives dreams. Not all dreams are from God. Uh, not all dreams are from not God. Some are from bad pizza. But, but here, my point was this. <laughs> I said... I said, but I said, my bigger fear is I, I, whether this is from God, the enemy, or bad pizza, 
like Paul in another, another place warned about your heart being drawn away from the simplicity of Christ. Yes. Mm-hmm. And anything, I don't care how spiritual it sounds, like I always have this weary part of me when people are saying to me, what do you think about this new symbol that yeah. I'm trying to, that there is this sensational yeah. curiosity in us that I think can be an unhealthy curiosity that gets caught up in the sensational. Yes. And anything that distracts you from falling in love with Jesus, yes. no matter how spiritual it may seem, let that be a red flag. Mm-hmm. I'm over here shaking my head violently at what you both said. I want to wrap this up. Yeah. This has been such a valuable conversation. I wonder if we'll get more questions. But as always, about I, would like to, I would like to have the last word. <laughs> Take it. Um, it's funny you say that and mention dreams because last night I had a horrendous dream. Mm. Like, for no reason. I mean, it's just one of those dreams that made no sense. You wake up, oh, <laughs> uh, and it's just horrible. But I'm – I've met people that are at a certain place in their Christian faith. That must mean something. That must mean. Oh, yeah. I'm at the point now, going back to the whole principle uh, conversation, of I'm going to use the, what I know to be true through Scripture, mm-hmm. okay, and say, God, if that was something, send some confirmation, right. you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask you, I'm gonna, but if not, erase that fear from my mind. Yeah. Right. I don't want to operate yeah. my mind. But I will tell you, my brother was in that dream. And I haven't talked to my brother in a little bit. And so I picked up the phone and called my brother. Yeah. And I said, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I tried to encourage him on his day. Like, mm-hmm. that, that is, to me, yeah. how, how I process those things. Right. And even another thing, and, and I, you guys, I think, laid out so beautifully uh, mindsets and how you can attack these things. I have, I think, the different experiences every time you go. I'm just going to share them just in case they might be helpful to somebody. And you think about these fringe things that are argued about alcohol and, and and how not to cause a stumbling block to other people um you know i'm i think i'll engage in the occasional drink alcohol is not my stumbling block you brought it up without asking me was is nicotine <laughs> that's where you know i i chewed tobacco for years and years and years and it, it was a baseball player but yeah you do. yeah but it was my addiction you know yeah. that was a, a source for me i mm-hmm. that had power over me mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I couldn't go three hours without having that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, that is the thing. And even to this day, mm-hmm. it, I can't be around it. And I know that is a stumbling block for me. And I'm two years, I think in February, I'd be two years awesome. clean from it. I, I, and it had such power over me that when I was working in ministry, I would hide that from everybody. I, mm-hmm. you know, that, it had that much power over yeah. me. Alcohol is not my thing. Yeah. Um, it was New Year's Eve one time, though, and I, we were going to some party, and I have one or two of, of this or that. And I was buying alcohol, and somebody behind me, um, of course, at Kroger, is from church. Mm-hmm. And so I'm buying this alcohol. I make a funny joke. Oh, you know, I'm having one of, one of these. You know, what are you doing? He's like, oh, actually, I, I used to be an alcoholic. I'm 10 years clean. Mm-hmm. And the conviction <laughs> that I felt in that moment, for me, has shaped my behavior. My theology, I think, has remained the same, Mm -hmm. but that experience has shaped my behavior. And so I think as you go and and you have to figure out how you're going to behave in the world based off what God convicts you through, and sometimes Mm -hmm. that's through making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, You might be somebody who you got caught up in this, I bet you this exists, you got caught up in this weird yoga ring that, uh, they started doing weird things, and you mm-hmm. tried it, and all of a sudden, so now you're running around warning people, don't do yoga, don't do yoga, yeah. it's demonic, it's demonic. And that's your conviction, that's your stumbling right. block. But when I do yoga, 
I'm literally, I'm, I, I, it's just not a stumbling block I'm for me. I'm working out. Yeah. I'm working out. I'm stretching well, it's my a insane. Block. <laughs> it hurts. I stumble, okay. but not like that. It, but I'm, I'm doing yoga. This is literally my mindset, and I'm only saying this, not saying, oh look what I do, but just a practical way for people to see this play out. Mm-hmm. I'm literally there. It's almost like I'm praying while I do it. Yeah. And whatever yeah. else, like they're telling me where to go with my body. Right. I'm taking captive of every one of my yeah. thoughts yeah. and directing it. I, I use that as a time to take a second and get closer to Jesus. That's mm-hmm. what I use that for. And guess what? Everybody that's there that's trying to get enlightenment, I know the source of true enlightenment. And yeah. so I am going to mm-hmm. live my life and I'm going to uh, witness to them. And I'm going to do everything I can to get them into a church environment, invite mm-hmm. them here, befriend them so yep. that they can have a life-changing encounter with a God that's changed my life. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It's hard to navigate these waters. I so appreciate you guys um, and your heart for teaching people through these things. It's benefited my life, and we hope that it's benefited you wherever you're listening from. So uh, we love to dive through more of these types of questions. Um, if you just want to say hi to us, that's great, To Email podcast at the church. We always appreciate the likes and the shares and there's people that there's a lot more people i think that are have these kind of questions yeah and i feel like that this is something hopefully if it's been helpful we, I think for we need you another part two. i know well, we say that for every episode we do because <laughs> we, we do a part two from the last one, one was long and yet it, it was we didn't care because we we're passionate about it you, yeah. this is probably <laughs> it's so funny we got so passionate mm-hmm. about this but i just think it's because there are a lot of people that we've got to the mm-hmm. place of how how do I, if I'm trying to be authentic, how do I find truth in all of this? Mm-hmm. And so I, if it's helpful, I just, that's what I would say. Share this with somebody yeah. that maybe would wrestle with questions like this. And, and I hear Paul's words and what you said about yoga, as weird as it sounds. Whatever you do, whether eating or drinking, do it to the glory of God. Amen. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to the X Podcast. Share, like, review, rate, comment, email, and follow me on Instagram. <laughs> See you later.